Hi guys, and welcome to the Music Is More podcast. I'm your host, Ayana, and on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Kehlani's third studio album, Blue Water Road. I'm very excited about it. I love Kehlani, so we'll do an album review, a song-by-song analysis slash breakdown, and then we'll talk about some of the broader themes discussed throughout the album. Stick around if you want to listen to that. Okay. Music is more than the notes. Music is more music than is lyrics. More than syncopation. Music, music is, is more than sound. Music is more than idea. Music is more than a moment. Music is more music than, 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 than words. Music is more than an idea. Music is more than sound. Music is more. So as always, before we get into the album review, I really want to talk about some of the album basics with you give you some details, some context, yada, yada, yada. Okay. (laughs) Blue Water Road is Kehlani's third studio album. Fantastic. She's been in the game for a long time. And I am going to do the classic cliche thing and tell you that I loved her before she was famous. And I was listening to her on SoundCloud and followed her career since the early days. Thank you. And now I'm done. So, Third studio album, but, you know, that's, uh, that's over, (laughs) it's her third studio album, but that's kind of over years and years of her being in the music industry, EPs, mixtapes released, all that stuff. Nevertheless, Blue Water Road has 13 songs on it. Some of those are interludes, um, but it runs for about 37 minutes and 53 seconds, so decent um a decent rundown you know there's not much you can deduce from how long an album is like if it'll be good if it'll be substantial or anything like that but yeah I just I just mentioned it because sometimes you sometimes you I don't know anyway 37 minutes and 53 seconds a solid project okay Blue Water Road was also released April 29th 2022 so about a week ago now. Um, and about this album, Kehlani has said, Blue Water Road is a destination in my mind. I'm giving everyone access. It's an emotional journey, a sexual journey, and a spiritual journey. To me, the album is like a glass house. It's light, transparent, and the sun is shining right through it. Okay, amazing words. And not only are they amazing words, as lots of people always, you know, give their amazing words and promotion of the album. But I think that we will see throughout listening to the album that her words ring true. This is an authentic description of what we're about to experience when we listen to Blue Water Road. Another thing to make note of is the phase of life in which Kehlani was in slash is in right now as she releases Blue Water Road. She has recently become a mother and she has recently come out as lesbian. Um, and I, you know, I don't like to speculate or think too deeply about artists' personal lives. But I think it's kind of important in terms of this album because we'll see kind of hints of that throughout. You know, this is an authentic album. It's supposed to be a glass house and things like that. So her real life was definitely influencing her artistry, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a little bit about the album, the context, the basics. Let's get into the actual album review. I have some overarching things that I want to say about the album as a whole, and then we'll go 
into a quick, if I can, song by song analysis. So about this album, I enjoyed this album. It was a good listen. I think it's kind of different from the other things that I've heard from Kehlani. That is no big deal. No big deal. I probably say this about every artist that I listen to and that I have listened to throughout their career. Like I said this about The Weeknd. I can't name who else I said it about, but I definitely said it about The Weeknd. Like this is just a little bit different than what he usually does, how I'm used to hearing said artist sound. That's fine. I do believe in growth, in, you know, evolution, artistically, personally, all that. I'm down for that. So I felt like this album was a nice breath of fresh air in a way. You know, it's a little bit different, a little bit lighter, if you ask me, in terms of like mood and the things that she's talking about. Um, Just, yeah, like even in the instrumentals, I felt it was kind of like lighter, freer. And I love that for her. I love that for her. You know, when you start out, I think as an artist, this is just a general like, note that I've realized throughout listening to music all my life or whatever. But when you start out as an artist, usually you have a lot of like, a lot of heavy things to say, you know, (laughs) you've got stuff about your relationships. You've got stuff about your home life. You've got stuff about whatever you're experiencing on your day-to-day human life, regular, normal life. And then as you progress through your artisthood and your life, you know, you have different things to say. So I think it's just a reflection of that progression that you hear artists do something a little bit different. And I love to imagine that she's really enjoying this phase of her life. And that's why her music sounds a little bit lighter, you know, that her life is not as heavy or, you know, as, as deep or whatever. And she's enjoying it and growing and healing and being fabulous And this album's sound is a reflection of that. But who can say? (laughs) Who can say? I won't speculate on either way, but it's kind of fun. So about this album, what do I want to say? I've got, you know, my main categories of things that I look for. We'll start with instrumentals. And I have actually a good deal to say about these instrumentals, even though they weren't so complex that I'm like explaining them to you or anything. Um, First, highlight. The use of string instruments throughout really aid in this lighter sound, mood, tone that I talked about, Um, but I really enjoyed it. I've got a thing for string instruments. I think they are so emotive when they want to be. She used guitars, both acoustic and electric throughout. She used violins, you know, like a string orchestra type feeling, violins, violas, who can say? (laughs) Cellos, whatever it is. But that's what it was giving and I love that I think like I said very emotive beautiful and emotional throughout and really um effectively used like it's not that every song had it but when it did have it it hit in my opinion and so it stuck out to me as something I wanted to mention in this segment right great another thing about the instrumentals, there were a lot of vocal accoutrements throughout, right? Um, Using her voice and other people's voice as an addition to the instruments to help build the soundscape, even though they're not saying any words, you know, or doing any lyrics. They're just 
um, vocalizing. I thought it was a good use of those vocals throughout to create some great musical moments along with the strings and whatever else might have been in the instrumental. So, yes. And you know me, I love a good vocal. I do. Anyway, next thing about the instrumentals. I think that we kind of stray away from R&B. And I don't think I want to use the word stray because that implies, you know, like there's a place that she was supposed to be and so she has strayed away. No, but it is different. It is, it is not a stray. I can't, think of, <laughs> I can't think of the right word right now, but it's like a diversion. That also implies that there's some unique path that she has to follow. I'm sorry, but it's different and in a good way. The word will come to me later on. But it's not as heavily, like, traditionally R&B as some of her past music. Even when we get a little bit sexier, there was still a lightness to it, a funk to it. It's not pure sex, sexual type feeling. Like, there was not, um, if you've listened to her previous works on, uh, it was, it was, it was all good until it wasn't. What, what the, damn it, I have to go find that album now. It was good until it wasn't. Yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah. On It Was Good Until It Wasn't, I think she had, like, Can I? She had toxic, you know, very R&B, sexy, sexual, deep, rhythmic. (laughs) I'm pulling these adjectives out. If you could see my, like, body language as I'm trying to express these words, it's wild. Anyway. Um, she had those songs on there, but I don't think that there is a toxic or a can I on this album just because it's, it's light and fresh and funky still. Um, yeah, I like that. Not a bad thing. Just something to note. Like we never got deep and sexy and she is really good at deep and sexy. Um, next other things I want to say. There were some funky instrumental as well. And I like that. It's giving neo soul. <laughs> it's giving alternative R&B. You know, I don't know if you know, but funky, you know, still R&B, still R&B, but just just funky, light and funky and fresh. And I like that. Um, and even some songs that I didn't like live for, I like their instrumentals. Um, these instrumentals I didn't think were mind bending. They were good, solid instrumentals in which you with which she could and did build songs around and off of. But they weren't really the star on this album, if you ask me. Um, So, yeah, that's just something also to note. Decent instrumentals, some really like funky, awesome ones. And then some were just, you know, solid. Just solid in the background doing a thing. Okay. And I'll stop there. <laughs> there was some neat scents throughout. Um, yeah. So I thought, yeah, all around the instrumentals were good. Um, not any crazy soundscapes, but solid nonetheless. And, you know, it doesn't have to be crazy. It's got to be a good song overall. You know, it doesn't have to be like an awesome epic instrumental and then awesome epic vocals, and then awesome epic lyric. No, it's just got to 
speak to me. It's just got to be a good song overall. And so the instrumentals definitely contributed to it, but it but they weren't the star necessarily, in my opinion. Okay, great. Moving on from instrumentals, we'll go to production. I didn't think production was the star here either. Like there was nothing that stood out to me as as it being like very well produced. That's okay. Vocals were produced really well, you know, especially when they were um, inserted into the instrumental to help build it. I think that's good and that's creative and everything. But that's about all I have to say in terms of production. Moving on. I'm thinking about if I want to do vocals first or lyrics first. I'll do lyrics first. Will I? Yeah. I'll talk about the lyrics first and then I'll talk about the vocals. Um, the lyrics. Kaylani, I love her. And I know she writes her own music. And I know she writes her own lyrics, probably sometimes with the help of co-writers and everything like that, but I know she'd be writing. And so, because of the lyrics, I felt it was very authentic. A, something that happens sometimes. <laughs> something that happens sometimes when you're talking about music and you're really try- and the artist is really trying to get authentic is that things sound a lot like, um, uh, like, oh... Sometimes your song can sound like it's just your train of thought, right? Like you're just singing your feelings and you're just singing your thoughts and you put them in a song and, the, and, and that is it, right? That is not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. I'm going to give an example. This is not to shame anyone or anything, but Summer Walker's album that she recently released, I cannot remember the title because I, of course I'm bad at that, but the, her latest album sounds like she just she's just talking you know it's just her train of thought that she's singing straight from her mind and her thoughts to the pen to a melody boom that's it and it was kind of very not very but it was kind of off-putting for me as the listener sometimes because I'm like she's just she's just going like she just (laughs) she's just freestyling basically and I know there's she wasn't but yeah, sometimes it can get like that. In this album, let's let's pivot. Let's pivot because I could go on. But <laughs> in this album, the lyrics definitely sounded like an internal monologue. Not in a bad way. There are bad ways. But I felt a lot of the things that she was expressing were her own internal feelings. Like she wasn't talking to anybody. She's just telling you how it feels inside of her. I can appreciate that. I think a lot of the lyrics were good. And because of that quality of it being or sounding like her internal monologue, it feels really authentic. You feel like you're hearing her talk about her life and kind of narrate it. So that's good, a good quality. Some things didn't resonate with me. That's okay. You know, that is more than okay. Some lyrics didn't resonate with me. The most glaring example of this is Any Given Sunday. And I really didn't like the Call Me Daddy line. And it's not because I don't like the thought of it or anything like that. Like, I'm down. No. (laughs) It's not that. It's just I didn't like the um, melody. Like, I didn't like the, uh, yeah. 
I didn't like it. But that, that's the only thing <laughs> that really stuck out to me. And then some of the things that she was describing, like, um, just didn't resonate with me. But that's not a bad thing. It's not a, that, like, the lyrics were bad or anything. Yeah. Where she goes, like, call me daddy. I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I felt it could be stronger, you know, in its intonation. So it's more a critique of the, like, vocals there and the melody there that I didn't like and not necessarily the call me daddy words. Anyway, <laughs> shit. <laughs> and, and also on any given Sunday, I thought that the lyrics were kind of um, simple, you know, uh, not a bad thing, just something, you know. Okay, more about the lyrics. <laughs> um, oh, 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 I think lyrics are also important to like the story of the album. Here, I didn't feel like we were just telling any singular story. Like I said, it's like an internal monologue. She's telling you how she feels in these different situations in kind of a snapshot, in kind of snapshots of her life, you know? It's kind of a collage of feelings and not necessarily a single story or anything like that, which is chill, 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 fine. Um, and throughout the album, she's talking about all kinds of stuff, you know? The things that she mentioned when she was, <laughs> the things that she mentioned in that quote that I gave at the beginning of this episode, you know, sexual, emotional, spiritual journeys, and then, you know, relationships with yourself and others and all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. I'll get more into, you know, the meaning of the lyrics and stuff like that in the Music Is More segment of the Music Is More podcast, but we're not there yet. So, Decent lyrics, really truthful lyrics, good. Some lyrics stood out to me as well. Like, even though some lines stood out to me in a negative way, some stood out to me in a positive way as well. And I'll talk more about that in the song by song analysis. Okay, then the final facet that I want to talk about is vocals. Must talk about them because I only like good vocalists. And that's just my thing, you know, personally, I (laughs) personally, I only listen to people who can sing well. So yeah, or I'm only a fan of people who can sing well. I listen to a ton of different people, but I'm only really listening to people who can sing. Anyway, love the vocals. I love Kehlani's voice. Let's talk about it. Here, she experimented a bit more, right? She changed it up a little bit more, switched up, you know, her tone, her intonation to match the moods of the song she was singing. On any given Sunday, she kind of experimented with her lower range. On the song she has with Sid, it was giving like falsetto, SZA-esque type feelings. I'll talk more about it. But yeah, she experimented a bit more and I like that. Um, you know, her, her sound is evolving and part of that sound is her kind of distinct vocals, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the melodies, I didn't think that there were tons of crazy ones, but it doesn't have to be crazy. And I mentioned earlier about her adding vocals in the back to build in the instrumental. And those vocals created some really great moments throughout. So 
love that for her. Enjoy her voice. And I'd love to see her do more experimenting in the future as well. Okay, and that will <laughs> that will conclude the album review. Now let's get into like a song by song breakdown. And I'm gonna try and be quick, but I usually am not. What are what are you gonna do? First song on the track list, Little Story. I'm pretty sure Little Story was released as a single. Um, I like Little Story. It's got an interesting melody and a trippy little guitar in the back. Um, I think the verse two breakdown is really fun with the plucking on the violin. Here we have the string instruments that I was talking about. Um, and then the instrumental breakdown at the end is also really special in my opinion. I wasn't expecting it. It's lovely. It's sweet. It's romantic. And it goes along perfectly with what she's talking about in Little Story. Um, which, you know, from my deductions, <laughs> from what I have deduced from the lyrics, is that there before there was an unhealthy dynamic, but now they want to try again to see if, you know, they could be part of each other's story. Love that. Sweet, romantic, lovely. Would I ever give anyone a second chance? Hell no. But it's beautiful. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. Track number two, Any Given Sunday. Featuring, I think you say Blast. B-L-X-S-T. Featuring Blast. Or Blist. Blitzed. I don't know. Anyway. Any Given Sunday is not my favorite song on the album. In fact, it might be one of my least favorites. That's okay. We all have our opinions. Okay. Um, and here is where the call me daddy line felt a little bit uncomfortable. I felt there could just have been more confidence. Like, yeah. Like, I didn't like the progression of the melody here. And yeah, that's okay. I think maybe you could have gone. <laughs> Not me getting into it, but maybe the progression could have gone up instead of down. It goes, call me daddy, you know. That's just a very bad, I don't want to sing on here. Anyway, <laughs> it's kind of a really chill soundscape for any given Sunday. Like this instrumental was good. I didn't really like the lyrics and stuff, but that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's like a sexy song, still light and fresh. A decent feature. And I like when they sing together and he takes the lower part. And their voices are their voices sound good together, um, and I'd love to see her explore her lower range like this a bit more often. Track number three, Shooter Interlude. I like this one. <laughs> I like this one. It's kind of cheeky, you know. Um, it's about kind of the questions asked of her over the course of her career, like you know, do you got a man? Are you married yet? Are you gonna have kids? Type B, you know. Can I have some money? You know, <laughs> my mom needs surgery. My kids needs like a bicycle, whatever she was saying. A commentary on her fame. Break the fourth wall a bit, you know. Um, yeah. I like Shooter Elude. It made me laugh a little bit. And I also liked the progression from questions to statements at the end. At first, they're asking like, Will you pay my mortgage? And later on, they're like, pay my mortgage. That's not what it, any, none of the lyrics say that, but you get, you get the drift. 
Okay, then track number four, Wish I Never. I was not expecting this. This is how we do it, sampled on this one. But I liked it a lot. I thought the instrumental was a good remix of the classic. It wasn't so in your face that they had sampled it. Of course, you know it because it's it's infamous. But yeah, I thought it was good. Still relatively low-key, funky. And the kind of story she paints with Wish I Never is fun. You know, she was the accomplice. She was the victim. You're the victim. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know that TikTok. Anyway. I'm making myself laugh. Um, Yeah, and then, like, she kind of got played by the player. All that and made a mistake. So, okay. Okay. Um, And then I don't really... One more thing. One more thing about Wish I Never. I don't really like the word Lambo. So I didn't like that lyric. But it was still decent. I just had to put it in there that I'm not a fan of the word like Lambo used unironically. Okay. <laughs> Track number five, Up at Night featuring Justin Bieber. Why do I love this song? And I shouldn't feel so incredulous because let's be honest, I can get into Justin Bieber, you know? And I love Kehlani. And this is a bomb song. So really there's shouldn't be any surprise but I freaking love this song and I wasn't necessarily expecting to love this song I love this song first of all love the transition into the song and the beginning motif 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 and the beginning motif there we go is that right I can't remember I'm gonna keep going (laughs) then it gets funky with a pre-chorus very R&B, sexy, beautiful, still light, still refreshing. Like, you don't get, like, thumping R&B, we're about to have sex R&B. No, you get a light, refreshing R&B that you want to sing along to. Oh, boy, do I want to sing along to this. And when I was listening to this, I found myself thinking... Are Kehlani and Justin Bieber's voices similar? Get into that thought. I need to hear somebody else's thoughts about this because when I was listening it, I was like, when I was listening to it, I was like, am I tripping or do they sound like brother and sister? <laughs> and, you know, brother and sisters don't always sound alike, but they sound really similar to me. Like Kehlani could be the girl version of Justin Bieber. I don't know. I felt this way. Somebody tell me what you think. Um, And then a nice breakdown where the instrumental fades out on the bridge and then grows to this fantastic moment. And more about the bridge. I think if they had added Justin's voice to the bridge, that would have been fantastic. And the song really would have blown my mind. I already really like it. But if Justin Bieber's voice was doubling hers on the bridge or doing like a harmony, I would live. I would... I would live. It'd be like the song of the summer. I would promote it everywhere. But yeah. <laughs> I really like Up at Night. We will keep going. Get Me Started featuring Sid is the sixth track on the album. And I really like this one as well. Oh yeah, I do. Awesome synth. Or keys. I can't 
I can't tell, but I think it's a synth. Um, it's kind of a new sound, more digital and minimalistic in comparison to some of the songs we were hearing before on the album. I felt the vocals and the backing were fantastic. Kehlani is singing in a way that kind of matches Sid's singing. Softly, raspy, indie, soft R&B, alternative R&B. That's what it's giving. I would have, I think it would be, would have been interesting to hear how Kehlani's voice full out sounded with Sid's, but it makes the sonic experience more seamless that she kind of matched Sid's pace, if you know what I'm saying. More immersive sonic experience because they're both on kind of like the same wavelength, so it kind of flows into one person's verse, into another person's verse, into the chorus a little bit more seamlessly. If you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah, and then also the pre-chorus is fire. Get Me Started, also great song. Love that song. After Get Me Started, everything interlude. I can't, I can't take it. I love this. Okay, so for about three songs now, four songs maybe, five songs maybe, you know, it's just gotten progressively better and better. In my opinion, right? We go from Shooter, which I like, Wish I Never, which I like, Up at Night, which I like more, Get Me Started, which I like more, and Everything Interlude, which I like a whole lot. You know, a nice run here. Everything Interlude, I love. She's not even singing here, but it's still great. A beautiful instrumental. Amazing sounds. There's a beach in the background. I'm transported. It's getting me excited. <laughs> I like everything a lot. Then we go to More Than I Should, featuring Jesse Reyes. This is a good song. I liked Jesse Reyes's voice here on this feature. It's giving cheating, which is like, okay. But then, you know, she poses this moral, ethical question. Is it really cheating if, if they're not loving me right? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have an answer for you, but uh, a good question to pose to the masses, maybe. Um, it's fun. It's funky. The scents are good. I think the instrument, I think the instrumental's good. Um, yeah. It's good. Next, Alter. Also good. I wish that I resonated more with Alter because I think it's supposed to, it's supposed to be that, like, in this, in the grand scheme of the album, this one is supposed to touch you. And who, who can say if that's how it's actually meant to be? But I felt like it was not hitting for me in the same way. I don't know why. It's not like it's bad or anything. Um, I'm, uh, but yeah, I just, it didn't resonate with me. I think she's talking about some good things. The message behind it is good. What she's trying to say is good. It just didn't resonate with me. That's okay. Um, yeah, the lyrics are great here. I just didn't like necessarily this song. Okay. After that, we have track 10, Melt. 
this guitar is fabulous. The guitar on Melt is fabulous. Um, vocals are great. I even like the lyrics. You know, I think this metaphor of melting into somebody is illustrative. It's imaginative. Paints a picture for me. I like that. Artistic. Now, when I think too much, too hard about it, I think, do I want to like someone so much that we become indistinguishable from each other in some ways? I don't think so. And that's just because I'm an individualist at my core. Um, that it, and also, like, um, I've got this, like, mm, thing about intimacy where I'm averse to it unless it's on my own terms. So, yeah. <laughs> but I like the song. It's a good song. I just think, oh, my God, like, I would hate to melt into somebody. <laughs> But who knows, like maybe one day I'll have an experience in which I feel like I'm melting and I really enjoy it. Yeah. And then on Melt, they also have these fabulous ending vocals. Love them. Appreciate them. Amazing. After Melt, we go to Tangerine. It's giving gay, it's giving sexy, it's giving sexual. And still light and refreshing and tasty if you ask me. (laughs) Let me stop. I'm so funny. I think I'm hilarious. Anyway, Tangerine, it's about sex. Delicious. Love that. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward, and pretty gay. And I love all of those things. So good song. After that, we go to Everything, which I really like. I really like the ending vocals, especially with this group vocal. It's giving gospel. Um, love that. And then for the final track, we have Wondering slash Wandering featuring Thundercat and Ombre. Pretty simple. The lyrics are the star here. You know, the instrumental is pretty simple, but the lyrics are the star here. And I love the lyric. I do. I do. I think these lyrics are some of the best on the album. So, yes. <laughs> and then... It ends with her baby's voice, which is always so effective. Artistically, it just it just hits. I don't know what it is about the baby voice. It's just good. It's just good. And it just endears you even more because you know it's her baby. Like, oh, oh my gosh. Love that. Cute, amazing, beautiful, and lovely. So yeah, very good album. That is my song by song analysis. I did not take that long. I've taken longer in the past, and so I'll count that as a win. So, now that I've done an album review and a song-by-song analysis, let's move into the Music Is More segment of the Music Is More podcast. You all came to see it, you're all excited about it, and so am I. Let's go. So, here in the Music Is More segment of the Music Is More podcast, I am liable to talk about anything and everything, usually in relation to the album of choice for that week, for that episode, whatever. I like to start the Music Is More segment by talking about, you know, all of the things that I listened to and heard and felt were expressed while listening to the album. Like, I'll just brainstorm a couple of the themes that I was thinking so you get an idea of where my head was. And then 
From there, we'll move into the actual discussion where I pick one of these topics to deep dive on. So, the themes. I think I could go on, as you always can, because music is highly interpretable as an art form, usually. Especially when it's done well, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, But... She gave us a couple of the themes already in her opening statement that I provided. Spirituality, sexuality, emotional clarity, and love. Great. Then there's also themes of relationships with others and with oneself. Um, There's the idea of, you know, regret, kind of, like evolution, I made a mistake in the past and I am writing it now. That was a theme on some of the songs, you know, where she was young before, but she's old, older now and has known more and realizes where she went wrong. Like in Little Story, she talks a little bit about that. And on A Wish I Never. So that, this kind of uh, ruminating on the past and then also looking forward to the future and talking about how she has changed and grown. There's also elements of, like, grief, but not in a sad way. More about, like, the past, like I said. Um, More about fondly looking at what has happened in the past, what you have lost, and also what you have gained throughout this album. Uh, The fun parts of being in love. I think she talks about them, you know, this really... um, profound feeling of love and not just romantically but love for life joy in life and love for herself and love for others as well all kinds of stuff throughout this album I think um that's a brief brainstorming let me know you know I love when people reach out to me on the podcast twitter at music is more pod um if you have anything that you discovered any themes that you think we should maybe talk about, like I'm down to revisit whatever or discuss with you on Twitter. Um, But yeah, those are some of my thoughts. (laughs) Those are some of my thoughts so far. Now, also, there's a caveat, like it's only been out for a week. So through multiple listens, I'll probably discover even more and stuff like that. But yes, initial thoughts, initial themes. There you go. Now let's get into the discussion. Today, I really want to talk about um, embracing your own sexuality. And this is a good topic. There's a lot there to discover and to discuss. I don't think this album is necessarily all about embracing your sexuality, right? It is a facet of it. And because she is doing it, I think it's relevant in her music and stuff, but not necessarily something she's singing expressly or explicitly about embracing her sexuality yes she is singing about her sexuality and sex and being a lesbian and everything but on the actual topic of it it's more like she's living that way she's living in a way that embraces her sexuality this album is a proof and some of the songs on the album are proof of her doing that in her real life if you get what i'm saying uh so yeah i want to talk about that today so First things first, to highlight the key word of today's discussion topic, we're talking about embracing your sexuality. Not anyone else's sexuality, at least not yet. You know, maybe that'll be a later episode. 
how to be accepting and embrace other people's sexualities. We won't go there today. But today, we're talking about how to embrace your own sexuality. And while I myself am a queer woman, and I am talking about another woman's album who is also LGBTQIA+, you can be straight listening to this, and you can be anything listening to this, and still, you know, this might apply to you. You know, it's not a closed subject matter, not a closed circle, if you get what I'm saying. Today, I am talking about embracing your sexuality, whatever that might mean. Your, your, any sexuality, the one that resonates with you the most, the one that you want to subscribe to or identify with or whatever. That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay? You can be anything. (laughs) So I just wanted to make that known before we dive in. Now, before people make, because people might think, not to put words in anyone's mouth, but you might hear embracing your sexuality and think it is exclusive. It is not exclusive. You can embrace, you can positively embrace your sexuality and not necessarily be queer. You can be straight and embrace your sexuality. Something we'll also talk about in this episode, I think, and maybe in future episodes, I don't know, but there's a way for you to embrace your sexuality without negating other people's experience, right? And that's also important to note. This is a safe space, so nobody better be negating other people's sexualities. Focus on your own sexuality, and maybe you can get some clarity, maybe. Hmm, How about that? Okay, let me stop. Hopefully no. You know, I, I say this all the time, but hopefully no bigots listen to my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no bigots allowed. Okay, thank you. Now let's get into the discussion discussion. <laughs> um, lots of thoughts about how to embrace your sexuality. Let's first talk about what is sexuality, what it means, what I'm going to mean when I talk about it. When I'm talking about sexuality, I'm talking about your sexual orientation and I'm talking about the sexual attraction you feel towards any thing. You know, what? That's not very scientific of me. But when I'm talking about sexuality, I'm talking about your sexual attraction. Period. Now, there's a host of different sexualities one might label themselves as or experience, right? For example, straight. That's not the scientific term. Heterosexuality. (laughs) For example, bisexuality. For example, homosexuality. I never say the full words. I'm always saying, you know, straight, bi, gay, lesbian, all that. But if you needed, if you needed that, there it is. Anyway, so when I'm talking about sexuality, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your sexual attraction. And, and with whom you might experience sexual attraction. There's also, you know, um, there's also asexuality. There's dem- demisexuality. I'm sure there are more. I am no expert. I am just a guy. So there are also those, for people who don't know, asexuality is describing a limited sexual attraction uh, and 
sexuality is on a spectrum. Demisexuality usually implies that you need an emotional connection with someone first before feeling a sexual attraction. That's fine. So, sexuality. I keep saying that like I'm going to end it, but I keep going. Don't mind that. Sexuality is one column, one facet, but there's also, you know, your romantic orientation that might play a part or a role in your sexual orientation. You know, you could be aromantic, all that. You could, <laughs> you could be monoromantic, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of, there's all kinds of designations in terms of that, of your romantic orientation as well, um, that are separate, but closely related, I think, in my experience to your sexual orientation. And then there's also your gender that could play a role in it as well, because usually your sexuality is kind of, go, it kind of goes in tandem with what gender you ascribe to. Not all the time, and I think uh, as we progress, it will become less frequent that you just assume <laughs> that they're, they go hand in hand. But with the system that it exists now, if you, if you identify as bisexual, they're talking about in terms of gender, right? You like women, you like men, you like women and men, or if you're a man and you like men, then you're gay, you know, is the thing. I don't know if that'll always be the case, but that's kind of the understanding at the moment. But yeah, it's all interconnected, but they're slightly different. And so today I'm going to try very hard to talk almost exclusively about sexuality and not necessarily about gender and romantic orientation. All of them are on a spectrum. So even then it's kind of hard to pin down, you know, but whatever. I'm doing the Lord's work, and by the Lord, I mean, let me stop. Okay. <laughs> and by the Lord, I mean, no. I'm going to say something very controversial, and so I'm going to stop myself there. Okay? <laughs> we'll move on. I've talked to you about what sexuality means to me, what I'm going to be referring to when I talk about sexuality in today's episode, and I've talked to you about sexuality, gender, and romance, and how I'm going to try and talk almost exclusively about sexuality. We're going to move forward in the conversation now. Now, let's talk about how sexuality is oftentimes taboo. And really, it doesn't matter about your gender or anything like that, or your actual sexuality. It just in general, is taboo to talk about sex and sexuality. It just is, you know? I don't know why. No, I do know why. It's the patriarchy's fault, societal standards set by white men. I could go on, but I won't. But that's just like a facet of this conversation. Um, I think as we progress, I'm always thinking about the next step, the next generation, how they're going to talk about it. And how this conversation might be or might contribute to further conversations that are even more outside of the pre-established box, if you get what I'm saying. Sexuality in the past has um, societally been in a box. Of course, 
when you think about people's individual experiences, I think it's really hard for you to fit in a box in terms of sexuality, just as a person, you know? But when society would talk about sexuality or, or communicate sexuality, it was very rigidly done and with an air of taboo, historically. And uh, there are many reasons for that. I won't get into it. It's like historical roots and stuff like that. But it's important, it's, it's important to note. It gets more taboo depending on the demographic you're talking about, right? You could look at religion. You could look under the lens of gender, right? Women's sexuality is far more heavily policed than men. It is just a fact. Actually, I don't know if I even want to say that, you know, I think I think it is because I am a woman, but one could argue that, you know, men have to be straight. I don't know, though. I don't know. I think that would be an interesting study. But when you think about the gender gap and how um, in the gender dynamic, the woman is the oppressed person, then the patriarchy is designed to keep women in in a lesser position in life and everything not to get too political but um so from that you could then say all of these things that are forbidden are even more forbidden for women I don't know and in my experience women's this is all anecdotal in my experience women's sexuality are more greatly policed than men and why do I say that and why do I say that I won't keep going about this because it's about embracing your sexuality and this feels kind of sad, but nevertheless, I say that because for women, you have this layer of chastity that is imposed upon them. If you talk too freely about your sexuality, whether it be the socially accepted one of heterosexuality or less socially accepted ones like bisexuality, pansexuality, whatever you want it. There's this layer of chastity and then also this layer of women's sexuality only exists in context with a man's sexuality. If you are not in a heterosexual relationship, then you shouldn't be a sexual being outside of that, right? And men face their own their own layers of oppression when it comes to sexuality and the tabooness of sexuality um, intertwined with the patriarchy and toxic masculinity. Um, but they are allowed to be sexual beings and sexual creatures outside of their, their um, relationship to any one woman, you know? So I think that's also a facet of it. Nevertheless, Sexuality is a taboo subject. I'm invested in breaking down the tabooness of sex. Period. I'm a proponent. I think it's important to say I'm a proponent of healthy conversations and embracing of sexuality and not necessarily, you know, an uplifting of it or, you know, an exalting of it. Or of any one thing, really, but of a freedom 
of increasing the freedom people experience when they're talking about their sexuality. If you get what I'm saying. Right now, we're locked up. Taboo. Don't talk about it. All of that. And I'm invested in us talking more freely about sexuality, embracing it in positive ways. And the positive change from doing that, I think, would be exponential. Yes, that is also part of the reason why I want to talk to you about it. Now, what does it mean to embrace your sexuality? Great question, Ayana. What I think embracing your sexuality looks like is you having the ability to accept your sexuality yourself, right? It's about the ability for you to be secure in your sexuality, to accept it and enjoy it, and to be able to quiet the voices of those who might dissent, right? both externally and internally, if you get what I'm saying. Because of the tabooness of sexuality in general, there's not a lot of transparent conversations that happen about sexuality, and there's not a lot of love and freedom in discussing and enjoying your sexuality. It's done in the dark. It's done... Kind of secretly, there's not a lot of information about sex in general. And then your sexuality is very much not talked about, right? Sex isn't talked about, but with sex, which is like a symptom of your sexuality, not saying that it's like a bad thing or like it's a symptom of a disease or anything, but sex is just like the manifestation of your sexuality. We don't talk about sex. So how could we ever talk about sexuality, right? But we don't talk about sex really starkly if we don't if we don't provide information enough for people to get even a really good idea of what it means to be having sex then there's no way we're getting to the higher level thinking of this is your sexuality this is how you embrace your sexuality this is how you think positively about your sexuality and the like okay so yes When you embrace your sexuality, you allow yourself to freely engage in it, to know more about it, to come to a full understanding of it, in my opinion, right? That is what I'm doing when I'm on the path, on the journey to embrace my own sexuality. It's not about screaming it from the rooftops or anything like that or just doing the most sex. It's more about knowing myself, accepting myself loving myself and my sexuality, if you get what I'm saying, if you get what I'm saying. Um, And I think the, (laughs) an important part, an important component that I really want to underline is that you don't have to just be out here having sex all the time to embrace your sexuality. This is important. I don't think people understand that um, all the time. Some people do. Some people get it. If you get it, you get it. But some people don't. And so I have to underline it again. You don't have to just be the most uh, sexually outward person to embrace your sexuality. It can look in it like a different way for you, Um, especially if you are on the asexual spectrum or something like that. Like there 
when you think about embracing your sexuality, it does not have to be tied to the act of having sex. It can be outside of that. And I think it should be outside of the actual act of having sex because that is only one small facet of your sexuality. Um, yeah, so a fun like anecdotal type thing is I was thinking, you know, I want our house to be really sex positive, but I changed it. <laughs> I changed it, like our household, our family to be sex positive. But now I'm thinking more along the lines of sex neutral, of being able to talk about it without feeling like cringe and dirty and bad. But also you don't have to like yell and scream and be, you know, overjoyed about the active sex or your sexuality. So yes, good. Important note, doesn't have to be screaming from the rafters having the most sex. It can be if you want it to be. And if you find that is a positive, healthy way for you to express and embrace your sexuality, that is good, but it doesn't have to be. Now, 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 how does one embrace their sexuality? Oh, great question. It's hard sometimes. Really, um, and you might not believe this, but I'm kind of like a not so sexual person. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> and it's mostly to do with my own thing about intimacy, which I think I talked about earlier in this episode. But yes. So it's like, how does one embrace their sexuality if they're not acting on it? Is a pertinent question, I think, in the minds of many young people. Many young people, especially with like the pandemic, like you're not going like hookup culture is a thing, but it's not really a thing. It's only kind of a thing. And a hookup doesn't always mean sex, right? Anyway, that's for another <laughs> that's for another episode. But how does one embrace their sexuality? Great question. Especially if they are not down to actually participate in a ton of sex. <laughs> so first thing that I think of is being able to say it and put words to your sexuality and announce it to the people who matter. Sometimes the people who matter is just one person and it's just you, <laughs> okay? That's also important to note, right? But being able to have the words to express your sexuality is important. Just like, you know, how when you go to a therapist um, and they give you words to put on your different emotions and feelings and trauma, it helps you better express it to yourself and to others, right? So being able to say, I am pansexual, I am demisexual, you know? is important, I think. That is my first step. That is my first step. And also, I wanted to bring up the funny, it's not funny, I don't think it's supposed to be funny, but there's a YouTube commercial that I get a lot, and it's about therapy, and they want you to go to therapy, but the girl in the commercial goes, I think I'm gay, to her, out loud to herself, and that's kind of what this tip is reminding me of. Anyway, Say it, announce it, even just to yourself so that you can have something, you know, like I think sometimes it's hard when it's ambiguous and you don't have words for it. And sometimes because sexuality is a spectrum, sometimes you won't have words for it. But if you can find one or if you can find some, it doesn't have to be a singular label. But if you can even just describe 
how you feel when it comes to your sexual attraction and your sexual orientation. That is a goal that is an accomplishment in and of itself. On some days, I feel like I have only one soulmate out there, and so I will only ever be attracted to that one person. And then some days, I feel like I could give it a shot with anybody who is my friend. You know, (laughs) you know, just having those words like there's no singular label out there that describes exactly that. But you have some words to put on it. And that is part of it. So then after you have the words and you can say them, then you have something to kind of pour into. If you get what I'm saying, a representation of your sexuality to then embrace. You can then embrace those words and say, this is me. This is what I'm experiencing, and this is fun. This is good. I love this, and I embrace this part of me now that I have verbalized it or put it into words. Okay, another thing that you could potentially do and that I would be doing, I will be doing, is expressing it. And my friends and my family know that I've talked a lot about how I do not appear to be queer. And I've got to work on it. (laughs) I say I've got to. I don't have to. But it's something that I do want to work on because it is a positive way, I think, to express yourself is to look like your community. You know? In my opinion. So there are many ways that you can express it. It doesn't have to be in your clothes. I do want to look more queer, but that's just because when I'm out and about, I want women to also hit on me. You know? So that's more of a... (laughs) That's more of a personal thing, but there's other ways too, right, of expressing it. Clothing, stickers, music, style, all of that. You know, there's queer music out there for you. There's straight music out there for you that talks about sexuality or that is kind of expressive of your experience. I would encourage you to go find somebody who sings about the things that you experience in terms of sexuality. It is a really good feeling. It is a really good feeling. That's why people love Mitski. People love (laughs) That's why people love Mitski. And they, uh, you know, there are um, artists out there who I think have their fan base that they do because they talk about their sexuality in a way that resonates with others, right? And express their sexuality through their music You could also make your own music in your own art, but if you find somebody who makes music and art that resonates with you and expresses those parts of you, I think that is also great. More about the clothing thing. Is there a queer look? Yes. Have I found it? Not yet, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And I'm not above a pin, you know, a t-shirt, I'm gay, or I'm with gay. You know, something... Something along those lines, but that is also an outward expression of your sexuality and in expressing it and having these things that you do, these like kind of little rituals type thing, you are becoming more familiar, more comfortable, more free with your sexuality and getting closer and closer to embracing it. All right. Next thing. Finding other people like you, or at least close, right? It 
doesn't have to be anything. I have to keep I have to keep underlining that. It does not have to look like any one thing. It just has to look like what is good for you. If you get what I'm saying. For some people, it is their local gay bar. They can go in there, they will find people who are experiencing similar things to them who maybe fall into a similar segment of the spectrum of the sexuality spectrum there and boom there they have it it's great for some people it's um maybe a non-alcoholic queer space like a little queer library or something that would be fun for some people maybe it's a discord yeah i know about discord maybe it's a discord or a facebook group yeah I think community is the key to solving all of our problems. So if you can find a community that supports your sexual orientation, where people are experiencing similar things as you are, I think that would go a long way in helping you embrace your sexuality because it is almost always easier to embrace someone else's. You know, for a lot of us, it's easier to Celebrate another person's X, Y, Z. It could be sexuality. It could be their accomplishments. It could be anything. But it's much easier to like have a person and be like, oh yeah, I definitely support you. And sometimes that can bleed into your own support of yourself, right? And seeing people like you um, helps to cement your own experience. Sometimes you can get into your head and be like, am I the only gay person alive? Is this a real feeling that I'm feeling? Is it all in my head type feeling? Tight beat? Uh, those, kind of, those kinds of thoughts might hit you. And when you look at other people and they're like, no, you're not alone. You know, that's in a further strengthening of your idea of yourself and your sexual orientation. And finally, the final thing, and this is not a save the best for last type thing. It's just probably the most straightforward, sometimes depending, um, is to put your sexual orientation into action. Now, this could be sex. That's the easiest way Seemingly the most straightforward way, but when you really think about it, it's not because you can have, you know, a ton of sex and never fully accept yourself and embrace your sexuality. Um, but the same could be said with all of these things. You could listen to gay music and never accept that you're gay and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, but putting into action doesn't have to be sex. It can be dates. If you're into that sort of thing, it can be actively building relationships and connections to see how it goes. Because once you have some real world experience of yourself in, you know, sexually attractive situations or in, in things like that, then it becomes almost undeniable. And from there you can build. <laughs> from there you can build up your comfort and your freedom and your love and your acceptance of yourself and fully embrace your sexuality so it can be anything but actionable items physical items that you do 
I think helps solidify it. Like, yes, I'm very gay and I love that. I just went out on a date with a woman. It was great. (laughs) Okay. Now, to wrap it all up, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about my own experience embracing my sexuality. And when I say embracing my sexuality, I'm talking about the journey of it because I don't think there is any one point in time in which in which your sexuality is fully embraced. It is more like a continuous journey. So let's get into it. And the goal of me sharing these anecdotes or anything like that is just to give context, right? Uh, just like I said, you listen to queer music and queer art and everything. You could also listen to a queer person talk about their own experience and see if they align, where they might diverge, stuff like that. So yeah, here I go. <laughs> I'm going to keep it short. I already told you I'm, that I don't do intimacy that well, but we'll try. <laughs> so the question, Ayana, when did you know you were gay? Great question. And actually, let me clarify. I'm just, I just call myself like queer and gay for fun, for funsies. I think if you wanted to get more technical, you would call me pansexual. Or I would call me pansexual. We would call me pansexual. They would call me. Anyway. Yes. So when did you realize that you were queer? Because, of course, when I was first realizing it, I didn't even know that there was a such thing as pansexual. And yes, but I would say the first inkling is or was in high school. And it's kind of fun. (laughs) The story is kind of fun. And the story goes in my junior year, I was in high school and living my life. And I had this fun friend who who will remain unnamed. This fun friend's was another woman, another girl at that time. We're in our junior year of high school, whatever. And she would flirt with me very hard. (laughs) She would flirt with me incredibly hard. Okay, no problem. I've been flirted with before. It's fine. But yeah, so she was flirting with me. But did I realize that? No, because I'm obtuse sometimes. And only after talking about it with my friends and my family did I realize she might actually be pursuing me. (laughs) She might be flirting with a cause. Like, I thought we were just fun flirting, but she might be really flirting. (laughs) So, oh man, now I'm thinking about it. I can't, I'll have to go and look at my journal to see how it actually progressed. But soon after I realized that she was actually flirting with me, I think I asked her, like, are you really flirting with me? And she says, yes. When are we going to go on a date or something along those lines? In my mind, she was really smooth. Like, I, I thought, you know, especially after I realized that she was actually th- flirting with me. I was like, she's putting the moves on me. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm flustered. I'm embarrassed. I'm blushing. It's great. But, um... Yes, so she asked me to date. I said yes. And it wasn't so simple as that. I think I had a couple discussions with my mom and with my family and my friends about like, should I really go on this date? Do I really like her? Do I like that she's flirting with me? 
or do I like her? And what does it mean if I like her in terms of my sexuality, right? Um, some people had a harder time thinking about it than I did. Me, I was like, no, actually, I think she's cute. I like how she flirts with me. And I am fine with going on a date with her and potentially being her girlfriend. <laughs> and it was just, it was really kind of simple for me. I thought about it for maybe like a night because, of course, this is my first experience flirting with a woman, being interested in participating in a lesbian relationship or anything. So I thought about it, but I didn't think too hard and I didn't think too long. And I said, oh, no, I'm fine with this. (laughs) I'm very much open to dating her. And that's what I did. (laughs) And we did it for maybe a couple months. Uh, maybe a couple months. High school love is great. But all the while, I'm loving it. I'm into her. Okay, I'm telling everybody I can tell about her. We're going on dates. The whole shebang, basically. And within, within this relationship, you know, comes the further cementing of, oh, yes, I like women. I like women and men. Actually, I'd probably be open to dating anyone. That came later, but the women and the men thing came in junior high. So we had our woven relationship. I thought she was the best, but she was a Gemini. And so young, uh, listen, I'm waxing poetic here, but like it's all an exaggeration, but whatever. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Young, inexperienced Diana could have never kept her attention, I don't think. It was great, and it was fun, and it was blast. But there was a senior, a hot high school senior, who she set her eyes on and dated almost immediately after we broke up. <laughs> Shout out to her. I loved her, you know, and loved her in like a platonic way. I thought she was great. You know, I admired her. I thought she was cool. She was sweet. And while we were dating, I was into her very much. Um, And then afterwards, we were friends for a good while before we graduated. And we graduated high school and went our separate ways for college and everything. So I hope she's doing great out there and still living her queer life. But that was basically my first experience of it and my first realization that I myself was queer and in the time after experiencing that relationship there was a lot of kind of doubt self-doubt did you really like her were you really into it you know were you just um flattered that she was giving you attention thoughts you know just doubting the validity of my sexuality. But as I grew into myself and experienced more things, casual datings, all kinds of things throughout the rest of high school and into college, it became more clear that that was not a one-off instance, right? So yeah, I've had a ton of crushes, casual dates since then um, with women and men alike, and it's been fun. I am just very picky about who I 
have an intimate relationship with. And from that, so in college, I realized that I was pansexual. Fun. Amazing. Not really a big deal because I wasn't just doing a lot of stuff, you know? (laughs) I wasn't just dating a lot of people or having that much sex or anything. It was just kind of a personal realization. But what was I going to say after that? And sexual. Oh, but only recently have I thought that I might be demi- demisexual. Uh, and I explained it earlier, but I'll explain it again. This feeling like I am only really sexually attracted to people that I have um, an emotional connection to. And this has been the case, I feel. Like, I'm not... Um, Yeah, I'm not immediately attracted to anyone sexually, right? For some people, they describe their sexual attraction as being kind of instantaneous from the moment they meet somebody they know if they would like to or they could have sexual attraction for them. For me, I have to like you, enjoy you, think of you as a friend before I feel comfortable or anything thinking about you sexually. That's just a thing. It's kind of um, it's kind of a flexible label at the moment, as all labels are, because sexuality is a spectrum. But the more I think about it, the more it resonates with me. So yeah, that's kind of been my journey throughout. And as I grow and do more things, um, and my priorities shift, I think I'll have more, or I'll make more chances for me to explore that further in whatever way I deem necessary. But that is how I'm feeling now. And that is kind of the progression up until now. In terms of embracing my sexuality, it's really been kind of a private affair. I haven't been very demonstrative or, and I don't think that I look very queer, but inside the internal work is definitely being done in terms of making sure that I feel comfortable and happy and accepting of my own sexuality. It's been through a mix of the things that I've talked about today on the podcast that I've become as comfortable as I am now. And it's through a mix of those things that I hope to become even more comfortable and embrace my sexuality even more in the future. That was a good episode. Congratulations to you if you've made it this far because you have made it to the end of this episode of the Music Is More podcast. Yay! Now, if you want to keep talking, find me on Twitter, at Music Is More Pod. And if you want to hear some other things that I have to say, go and check out our other episodes. I try and post every week, and I just try my best. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really had fun talking to you guys about this kind of subject matter. And I hope to see you on next week's episode. Bye.